Amen. Two questions. 125 years old. How do we get that old? And other question. You guys want me to preach? <laughs> Come of y'all are like, Pastor, it's time to go already. Mike and Debbie are back there with the cookies. How long are you going to talk? Uh, what do you think? You give me 15 minutes? All right, I'm going to see if I can cut this down to 15 minutes. Fair enough. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, there is a brown book under the seats in front of you. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. As you are turning, hey, actually, Roger, would you go tell them that I'm going to be about 15 minutes? Otherwise, Mike might eat more than his share of cookies. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 55. As you're turning there, I, uh, I serve on a conference board called the MAC, the Ministerial Appointments Committee which is a fancy term, a fancy acronym for we're the group of people who helps determine which senior pastors get appointed where to which churches. And this past week, I was on a call with the rest of the MAC looking at seven or eight churches in our conference that are having challenges. Okay? Uh, four of those churches are kind of beyond the challenges to we've discerned that it's time for them to close. Now, this wasn't just a one-time conversation. This was something that had been coming along for quite some time. Right? Some of them uh, had been dying, some of them have been dead, some of them just been limping along, and the reasons for that could be varied. All right? COVID took a toll on one, a pastor of another small church passed away, another small church, the pastor had been there for like 30 years, he's going to retire, and the, the seven people that were there for the last 20 years decided it was time to, time to finish. So things like that. All right? But it's hard for us to determine, it, should a church reach its next birthday? Right? That's a challenge for this group of people on the Mac, this prayerful team. As I was sitting there thinking about that and the fact that we were celebrating 125 years today, I keep coming back to the question of why do we survive? Why do we keep coming? And yes, Nate, you said, it, you said it exactly well at the very beginning. It's God's grace. There is no other reason at all. It doesn't matter how good the person who's sitting up here or standing up here, whether there's a pulpit or not. It doesn't matter how good they communicate whether it's 10 years, 12 years, 2 years, 16 years, if God doesn't keep the church open, then it won't stay open. There will come a day when First Church closes its doors. There will come a day when First Church uh, finishes what God has called it to do. Lord willing, that day is not today, because we're here. And I hope we have next week too. All right? So the question is why? Why do we keep staying open? In Isaiah 55, the easiest and probably shortest sermon would be, well, we don't understand why God keeps us open. He just does. All right? And we can see that in Isaiah 55, verse 11, or excuse me, verse 9, 8 and 9. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We could stop there. We could say, for some reason, God has this, this desire to keep us going. And frankly, I'd be fine with that. All right? And you guys at a clock watching would be fine with that, too. You're like, Pastor, you said 15. It's been three. Good. Right? But for those who, who want a little bit more, I think we have maybe one of the reasons that we continue to stay open here in Isaiah 55. I think it's because we keep the fundamentals fundamental. We keep the basics, the basics. We, we keep the core, the core. We keep the main thing, the main thing. And what is that? It's in here. And it starts with a simple invitation. Verse 1 and 2. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. 
even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, are you thirsty? Come and drink. Can't pay for it? Haven't done anything to earn it? Doesn't matter. It's free. And who gets this? Is anyone thirsty? Is what this text says. Who's invited to God's party? Everyone. Anyone. I'm going to ask that question a few other times. I want a little bit more enthusiastic response, okay? So who's invited to God's party? Everyone. Yes, the prophet Isaiah was not so subtle in the fact that this isn't just an invitation to any random party where the, where the wine and the milk or the water runs freely, literal. No, this is something that God's spirit is going to be pouring out on us. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3 from the screen says this, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched lands, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. The prophet's saying God's spirit's going to come, he's going to arrive, he's going to flow out, and those who thirst will be satisfied. Now, fast forward. 700 years and you get this guy in a small town in Nazareth he's a carpenter and he starts talking in public and he picks up on the same theme of thirst and offering it to people John chapter 4 this guy Jesus he offers this this offer for for drink to an outcast to an outsider at a well outside of town Right? I think we know the story. I'll shorten it down here. It's the story of the woman at the well. She comes out to get a drink in the middle of the day because she's not really hanging out with the normal women of the town because she hasn't lived a very holy life. So they don't really want her hanging around. But Jesus, when he interacts with her, he says, hey, can I have a drink? <laughs> she says, why do you ask me? Because she knew the Jews didn't uh, you know, talk with people like her. And then she says, besides that? Wait, no. Then he says, well, if you only knew who was asking... I would give you a drink, and I love her response. You don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. This well is deep. It's, it's, it's been giving good water to our ancestors all the way back down to, uh, to Jacob. Is your water better than, can you really? And you know what Jesus says to her? He says, anyone who drinks the water that he offers will never thirst again. But those who drink the water that he gives will become refreshed. There'll be a spring bubbling within them, giving them life. So Jesus is offering this invitation. Isaiah is offering this invitation. And who can accept it? Anyone. Jesus didn't just say this this one time to this one person. At one of the festivals, one of the biggest festivals in the year, Jesus was there at the, at the temple in Jerusalem, and everybody was in town, from rich people to poor people, from thieves and beggars to, to religious people. They were all there celebrating this festival. And at the peak of the festival, when the most people would have been in the temple, Jesus stands up and he says this, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. Haven't done anything to deserve it? Don't have any money to pay for it? That's okay. Jesus offers it for free. To who? Everyone. 
everyone. And he does so on a deeper level than this, too. In Isaiah 55, verse 3, we see that uh, he says, uh, God says, Come to me and listen with your ears wide open. Listen and you'll find life. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. I'll give you all the unfailing love that I promised to David. Okay, there's this thing called the Davidic covenant, which is a fancy way of saying God promised David that one of his, one of his ancestors would always be on the throne. You can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. David is a descendant. Excuse me, Jesus is a descendant of King David. So Jesus is saying that same covenant that was given to him, I'm giving to you guys. You know how much it costs? Zero. Zero. It's free. You know who can come? Oh, I got like three of you that are paying attention. Pastor, you said you're going to preach short. Anyone. And it's more than just you can be part of this covenant. He says he's going to surround you with unfailing love. For those who know the Hebrew, this, this word is chesed. It's a beautiful word. We don't have enough words in our English, a definition in our English language to actually define what it is. But this is a word that, that screams forth action. It's God's action on behalf of his beloved. And he's saying here, I will give you that. I will surround you and fold you and engulf you. I will let you be saturated with my love. And not just you in your spiritual lives, but all of you is what he's saying here. All of you. How do I know that? In the Hebrew in verse 3. This one in the English, it says, come to me and listen with your eyes wide open, your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. Well, in the Hebrew, in the more word-for-word -word translation, it says, come that your soul may live. Now, soul in the Hebrew is nefesh. It means every single part of us. It means the part that cries out to Jesus when we're scared and the part that cries when we watch This Is Us on NBC. Okay? It means the part of us that praises God for, for a piano and a hymnal and the part of us that yells at the TV when our, when our team scores that's been DVR'd. All right? It's the part of us that we like to share with other people and the part of us that we don't want to share. This is all of us. God is saying, I will give you life. You're invited into this life. And Jesus, of course, says that same thing over and over again. You fill in the blank at the end. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He says, I come so that they may have life and life to the fullest. This is the invitation. This is the party that Jesus and the prophet Isaiah are saying, you guys can come to. Come so that your soul may live. I want my soul to live. All of me. I am thirsty. And the prophet Isaiah and Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty, come and drink because it's free. And it's for everyone. But there's a catch. Your neighbor sends you a, a birthday party invitation with the letters under it, RSVP. What's that stand for? Yeah, thank you. You know French, right? It means you got to call them back and tell them you're coming. All right? It means you got to call them. It means you have to make a decision to go. 
We have this offer. We have this invitation. First Church has been offering this invitation for 125 years, but people have to still turn and go. It says this in Isaiah 55, verse uh, 6 and 7. It says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is still near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. You're invited, but you've got to turn to God. You know what's going to happen when you do? He's going to welcome you in. This is the same message that Jesus gave. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, it says, uh, he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins and turn to God. He says that again in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. A life turned to Jesus. A life spent seeking Jesus. This is when we experience this life to the full that we're being invited into. And listen, it's not us turning that saves us. It's God's grace that saves us. But we have to respond to the invitation. This is the message that First Church has been telling for 125 years. This is the word that we keep proclaiming, that we keep sharing, that we keep living into. This is the word that keeps changing lives. God said it through the prophet Isaiah, verse 11. He says, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Why have we lasted 125 years? I think part of the reason... Obviously, God's grace. That's, that's the end-all answer. But part of the reason he still gives us another week is we keep telling this story. As simple as it is, it is deep, it is profound, it is life-changing, it is life-filling. We keep telling this story. At a birthday party, when the person blows out the candles, right, they're told to make a wish. But don't tell anybody because it won't come true. I'm going to tell you my wish today. I'm going to tell you my prayer that I would continue to tell this story well. Whether I'm here another 16 years or six years or six more days, I want to tell this story to anybody who would hear it. Not just from the front. I want to be able to live it out. And I think if we can each do that as a church, in God's grace, he may give us another 125 years. Let's keep telling the story. As simple as it is, I think that's part of why we've made it 125 years. There's an invitation that's free. We've got an RSVP, and we're going to have life to the fullest when we do. You want a part of that? Are you thirsty this morning? I am. And I want to get that as much as I can. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the simplicity of this story. I thank you that 700 years before Jesus, you were telling the story with Isaiah, and you were telling it even before then. I thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years later, we can still tell it. I ask one thing of you today, Lord Jesus, that you would help us tell it well. That you would help us tell it in a way that people understand it, that connects with their heart, that connects them with you. And as lives are changed, we want you to be pleased, you to be honored, you to be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.